This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. Well, if there was ever a legend in the Bible, Mary, she is one. She's not to be idolized. Mary is not to be worshipped. Mary is not to be prayed to. There's nothing in the Bible that indicates that is accurate. She's to be honored, but she was just like the ladies in this room. She was a vessel that God chose. God chose Mary, and he chose Mary to do something incredible. He chose her to to carry God's son on this earth and to launch him into his adult life. And she was his caretaker. What an amazing, an amazing assignment from God. And we're going to learn this morning that if God used Mary and took her through a process, he wants to do the same for each and every one of us. Now, one of the great things about leadership, if you lead anything, if you are given a project at work or you're managing some people, whatever leadership realm that you're, you're a part of, you are able, you're able to see what's going to happen before anybody else. That is one of the gifts of leadership, the, the gift of vision. You see things first. You see what's going to happen before anybody else. And God uses the imagination so that we project vision and you begin to get a mental picture of what's going to happen before it even starts. We're working right now on a men's retreat in February. And Tim, the man I'm working with, he, he's giving me ideas through text and we're talking about things because he is leading it. He is seeing things before anyone else sees them. That's what leadership is. You see things first. That applies to anything in life. That applies to your business. It applies to the classroom that you teach in, to the project you're in charge of. But for those of you who have raised a child, those of you, especially if you've ever been a mother, it certainly applies to motherhood. Because when you're raising a child, God gives you special insights to see talents and abilities and trends and potential before anybody else sees them. And that was certainly the case with Mary. That's why the first thing that I want you to either write down or you can observe on you, Virgin, is this, is that Mary saw him first. Mary saw Jesus first. Now, this is the week of Christmas, and so it's really easy to identify this because obviously as the one who gave birth to him, she was the first one to see him. And that was an incredible gift that God gave her. But it went beyond that also because she had to carry this secret that only she and Joseph knew. God did not reveal to the world that Jesus was a Messiah until he was 30 years old. So for 30 years, this young lady lived under the shadow of scandal. Everyone in her life except her husband thought that she had an unwanted teenage pregnancy. He was a simple man, Joseph, as a carpenter. She lived as a carpenter's wife, and she carried this burden. We don't know what happened to Joseph, but more than likely he, he died sometime between in Jesus' adolescence or certainly before he was 30 years old. So more than likely she was a widow, and she held things in her heart. And she saw Jesus 
and God's plan for Jesus before anyone else saw it. And Jesus, when he got lost and he got separated from Mary and Joseph as a 12-year-old, they found him talking with the religious leaders in Jerusalem. And we go now to Luke chapter 2 because we understand part of what Mary was doing in processing. In Luke chapter 2, verse 52, the story picks up there and it says, 51, excuse me. Then he went down to Nazareth with them, being Jesus, and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Mary saw things first. And she saw the plan of God first. And she saw what would happen to Jesus before anyone else did. That's why when they were at the village of Cana, and Jesus was at a wedding as a guest, not a guest of honor, but just a normal attender. No one knew who he was. And they ran out of wine. Mary said, Jesus, do something about it. He said, my time hasn't come. But yet she asked him again and, So he turned the water into wine. Jesus saw things first. Mary saw things first in Jesus. What a gift that was. I want to ask you in your life, are you seeing the work of Jesus in people's lives? The work of Jesus is happening all around us. And if you have eyes of vision, if you have eyes of vision and you're seeing the world through the lens of his lordship, you'll begin to see Jesus and that difficult coworker who's grumpy all the time, you can see Jesus in him or her. You can see Jesus in that unruly child that no one knows the answer on how to help him. You can see Jesus through the poor and the forgotten of our, of our society, the unwanted. That's where you can see Jesus. You can see the work of Jesus if you have spiritual eyes to see. You see, when we talk about Mary today, that Jesus was born in Mary, but Jesus has to be born in us too. And this morning, as we look at her, we recognize that just like Mary, Jesus must be born in us.
And so it is the story that inspires us so much, God choosing Mary and birthing him. And so it applies to us. We want him to be born in us this morning. And if you think about the time that you were born again, that's exactly what happened. Jesus came to you. You saw him for the first time. There was a first time for you. There's a first time for all of us who are following Jesus. But the story of Mary doesn't end there. I've already mentioned a couple of times we see her in the Bible in Luke chapter 2. Again, we see her at the wedding where the water was turned into wine. And then there was a time in Capernaum when Jesus was teaching and he brought up the question, who is my brothers and who is my mother? And he said, those who do the will of God. And so his mother was obviously right there, uh, right there, part of that story. And so those are some of the few glimpses we get of Mary in the gospel. But now I want us to move to the next place we see Mary. And that is at the cross of Jesus Christ, the place where he died. And I want to remind you this morning that there would be no significance uh, in the story of Bethlehem if there was not the story of Calvary. Calvary is what gives Bethlehem significance. Jesus came and he became flesh among us so he could be our substitute, so he could pay the penalty of death that you and I deserve to pay. And so Bethlehem has no true meaning without realizing that Jesus came to die. We learn that Jesus was real flesh. He was real flesh and he was real real blood. And Jesus had nerve endings. And so the pain was real. The pain that morning in Bethlehem or that night in Bethlehem was real. And the pain at the cross was real. Mary, Mary was not immune from the pain. Just because God chose her didn't mean there wasn't a challenge. And so we go now to the book of John, John chapter 19. As John gives the account He was an eyewitness of Jesus' death. If I remember correctly, he was the only disciple that stayed with Jesus. And so we go there in John 19, starting with verse 25. It says, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. I want that to just sink in for a second. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. The same woman who was in Bethlehem, who gave birth to him, stayed with him through his process of growth and was with him at Calvary, was with him at the cross. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. We, we see a story of love, a story of death, a story of humanity. Jesus assigned the disciple whom he loved was John, who was referring to himself in third person there, and said, now, Mary, you, you are with John, and John, you're going to take care of Mary. And that happened the rest of her life. What's amazing to me about this is that she was at the cross. It's really hard to see your children suffer. It's really hard. I mean, for those of you who have been parents, for those of you who have been a caretaker to children, you can identify with this, that there are times when your children are in pain that you would rather have the pain 
than to watch them go through it. I am certain Mary identified with that when she was right there near the cross. And here it was that we're reminded this morning that the story of Christmas and the story of Jesus, even though it's nice and cute and marketable to the world, it was real and human and things were legitimate. There was real pain. There was real emotional distress. There were legitimate feelings of loneliness. There was dejection from betrayal. There was blood and there was water and they were both spilled. You see, the Christmas message is beautiful and it's inspiring and it's poetic. But at the same time, it is human and earthly and dirty. See, the manger was a feeding trough and the manger was rough and the manger had splinters. And there were smells in that, in that barn, the smells of animal. Things were not clean and tidy and sterile. They were messy and they were dirty. But Jesus got dirty for us. He came into our humanity. And that is the story. And so Mary saw him hurt. That's the second point I want you to write down. Mary saw him hurt. She saw him first, but she saw him hurt. And that is important for you and I too. Because to really follow Jesus, we have to identify with the cross. And we have to identify with his humanity, his sinless humanity. We have to identify with his sufferings. And you might say, well, I, had, I wasn't there to see that gory execution. I wasn't there to physically see that. And I understand that. But we still identify with his suffering today. Because Jesus chose the church and said to the world, I will build my church and here is the church. This is my representation to the world. And yet the church is messy and dirty and the church sometimes does not live up to his name. The church that is full of disunity, the church that is full of a lack of love, a church that is scandalized through the leadership, a church every time there's a misappropriation of funds, every time there's another sexual scandal, every time something wrong happens with the church, Jesus is hurt. And we can identify with that. We see Jesus hurt through the mockery of comedians who are paid hundreds of dollars who mock his name. When Jesus' Jesus name is used as a cuss word and as slain, we can identify with his hurt. Here in the Christmas season, when Jesus is marginalized and Jesus is trivialized and Jesus is pushed down people's throat as a commercial uh, product and, and all of a sudden that Christmas has become commercialized and it's all about uh, consumerism and giving the, the message message and the power of the gospel is hurt when that is of greater value to people than who he is. And so we see Jesus hurt too. And we identify with that, with a world that doesn't see our Jesus as he should be. And so it is with Mary. She saw him first, but she saw him hurt. And you and I also can identify with the pain Jesus goes through. But that pain is temporary. And that pain won't last forever. And that rejection of him won't last forever. Jesus will be glorified. And here's the last place I want to take you. The last place we see Mary in our Bibles. Often we overlook this passage or read through it quickly or don't let the gravity of it uh, really affect us. But it's in Acts chapter 1. And Jesus is getting ready to ascend to heaven. 
And there, as he's getting ready to ascend, we pick up the story in Acts chapter 1 in verse 9. It says, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they asked, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And I just want to pause in our reading just to say this, is that Jesus visibly and physically disappeared from this world to go to where the Father has had taken him to prepare a place for us. And in the same way, he will visibly and physically appear once again to be seen. And so we now, amen, I like that clap. All right. So then they return to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. And when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. And I love this about the Bible. This wasn't just a crowd. These were people. You understand that? This wasn't just a number. I'm glad the Bible didn't, didn't uh, just, just give us just like the whole numerical number. You know, they, they had 42 there in the upper room that day. I know they had 120 in chapter 2, but they give real names here. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot. You see, each of these had a gift to the church. Each of these had a personality. Each of these had a history. Each of these had an identity. Each of these were part. They weren't just part of the crowd. They were intricate uh, parts of the body. And Judas, son of James, and then they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women. Now look at this. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. She was with them. She saw him first, and she saw him hurt. But the last thing I want you to write down is she saw him exalted. You'll see that right there in your U version. She saw him exalted. She saw him lifted high. She saw him ascending to the Father. She saw the best in him because that is what God wanted to reveal to the world. So I want you to begin to reflect on something this morning. I'm going to ask you three different questions this morning. And... First thing I want you, I want you to begin to use your imagination. And really, it's not, excuse me, it's not your imagination. I want you to use your memory bank here. And I want you to think about when you saw Jesus first. For some of you, it could have been, could have been at a vacation Bible school when you were young. For some of you, it could have been because a bus came your way and picked you up and took you to church. For some of you, it could have been in this church or a church similar to this. But there was a time like Mary that you saw Jesus first. There was a time where you knew him personally. There was a time when he revealed himself to you. And if you don't know what that time is today, then today is your time. There has to be a first. There has to be a place where he is born in you. There has to be a place where you're born again. You're born once to your mother, but that's a natural birth. But there's something of the spirit. You're born of God. You become a son and daughter of God, not by anything else but his grace and his choice. And there is that place for you. Would you close your eyes with me? I want you to think about that for a second. Begin to have the story. Let it play out in your mind again. When was it that you first gave your life to him? 
When was it then you first responded to the gospel? When was it that you first realized you were a sinner and you needed God's grace and you realized that you were destined for destruction unless God came and, and saved you and pulled you out of the pit? You see, just like there was a first for Mary, there's a first for you. Some of you, you might say, today needs to be my first. Today needs to be the day I turn things around. I'm living in sin. I'm not right with God. Can I tell you this, that God today, he came to this earth. He came to this world to pay the price for your sin. And he's coming to you right now. He's coming to you in this service, in this room, in that seat. The seat that you're sitting in was prayed for this week. Somebody laid their hand on that seat and prayed for you this week. It's not an accident you're in that seat right now. God's coming to you right now. And he wants you to get right with him and be right with him. New life. Where there's death, there's now life. Where there's sin, there's now righteousness. Where there's darkness, he's going to bring the light. Where there is hopelessness, there's new hope. It's a rebirth. It's new. You feel like death is all around you. There's a cloud around you. The light has shined. Death is no longer holds power over you through Jesus Christ. If you need to make, your, make things right with God, would you respond to the Lord right now by just raising your hand? Raise your hand right now. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you in the back. Anyone else? Thank you. I saw that in the middle. Anyone else? You said, I need to make things right with God right now. I need to make things God, right with God right now. This is your chance. God's coming to you. As you're reflecting on that, my, my second question is when have you seen Jesus hurt? And have you identified with the cross? Have you seen Jesus mocked? Have you seen Jesus commercialized? Have you seen Jesus marginalized? Have you seen Jesus minimized? Or more pointedly to you, have you marginalized Jesus? Have you minimized Jesus? Have you commercialized him? Is he just this extra thing in your life? Or is he your Lord and Savior, the center of everything, your passion? You see the gospel message, the story of Jesus demands our worship. We give him all, we give him our best. And I can't let this morning pass. I can't let this day pass and let you continue to walk in mediocrity towards the Lord because our Savior demands your best love and your best obedience and your best discipleship. He loves you so much. And I want you to reflect upon that this morning. We're going to take just a minute or two as we just listen to this beautiful piano playing. And I want you to search your heart and let the Holy Spirit expose any sin that's within you, any lack of priority, any incorrect attitude. Some of you that you've just been too busy for God. And I want to tell you, this is your time right now. This is your time. This isn't Aaron's time. This isn't the church's time. This is your time right now. Pause right now. Reflect. Refocus. Put your attention on him. Thank you for listening to the podcast of The Church of Indian Lake.